Viktor Frankl, who survived Auschwitz concentration camp and the Nazi death camps, wrote the infamous book, Man's Search for Meaning. He wrote, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Hey, it's Lucas Grobot, and you're listening to The Lucas Grobot Show, where we uncover purpose, pursue truth, and own the future. Today, we are going to be talking about a two pervasive worldviews that are surprisingly springing forth in a new way in this day and age. And the reason that I say surprisingly springing forth, because in my mind, the answer to this question that is being debated across the globe. And by some, it's not even a debate. It's this is the way that life is. In my mind, this question has already been answered. It has been answered with the ideology of the Nazis and the fruits of that. It has been answered with the USSR. It has been answered with North Korea. It has been answered with Cambodia. It has been answered with the, the death of 110 plus million lives who have lost their lives to this ideology and the core root of this ideology. What am I speaking of? Well, of course, it's socialism, it's communism, it's Marxism, but the root at the core of this ideology that is resurfacing today is this idea of determinism is this idea that you and I do not have agency, do not have free will, do not have the ability to take action on and on our life to create a better future. And that is what we talk about here on the show. We talk about uncovering our purpose. We talk about knowing and understanding truth so that we can actually go out and create and shape our future. So in order to get started today, I want to talk about first the definition of determinism. Now, determinism is the doctrine that all events including human action, are ultimately determined by causes external to the will. Some philosophers have taken determinism to imply that individual human beings have no free will and, therefore, cannot be held morally responsible for their actions. Now, we we are seeing this explode across the world today. We are seeing excuses for people's actions and behavior explode across the world today. Oh, they're doing this because they're in poverty. They're, they're doing this because they're not educated. They're at war. They're rioting because they're oppressed. The list goes on and on. And the reason that they're oppressed is because of a system. Now, this ideology specifically, it, it springs much further back from Marx and Engel, but it really blossomed with Marx and Engel and the philosophies of Marxism, which then has sprung into postmodernism. If you remember our conversation with Dr. Stephen Hicks, an excellent episode, he really unpacks postmodernism, even in his book, under explaining postmodernism. And he expanded that on the show and talking about where these ideas today are coming from and where do they 
lead. So this idea of determinism is this idea that you and I are nothing but a sack of chemicals and a sack of cells, and we do not have any free will of ourselves, but we are just the product of the environment and the society. And the society, as Marx and Engels would teach, is merely the product of the means of production. What does that mean? It means that Whatever the economic drivers are, that is the thing that shapes society and that is the thing that shapes and determines the things that you and I do. We have no free will. We have no morality isn't even a thing because we are just a sack of cells. Now, the other side of the aisle believes that you and I have agency, that you and I have free will, that we are not merely a product of our environment. Now, of course, the environment that we're raised in greatly impacts and infects us, but it does not determine the things that we're going to say, the thoughts that we're going to think, and the actions that we are going to take. Who we are, the, the, the environment that we grew up in does not determine us. It might influence us, but we have the ability to change our thoughts, to change our patterns, to actually grow into healthier people. We are not victims of circumstance. So agency, the definition of agency, because I was asked about this this week, agency is, this, is subtly distinct from the concept of free will. The philosophical doctrine that our choices are not the product of casual chains, but are significantly free or undetermined. Human agency entails the claim that humans do in fact make decisions and enact on them in the world. Now, this is so important because if we are able to make decisions and enact on them in the world, it means that there actually is morality. We can make right and wrong decisions. There is good and evil because it's not just some autopilot program that's running in our head that's been caused by society, but we are deciding it. That means the responsibility ultimately falls on our shoulders. But under the worldview of determinism, it says, well, you're in debt because, man, you're society. It says, well, you have you know, health problems. You have relationship problems. You have communication problems because uh, that's just the environment you grew up in. You can't help it. And those people who say that you can help it, well, they're just privileged. Don't worry about them. Stay stuck. Stay a victim. But you and I, are we victims? Absolutely not. We do not want to be victims. And we can see the, like, we can see the fruit of determinism. We look at the USSR and we see that the, this core ideology in Marxism is determinism, which sprang into socialism, which led to the death of 110 plus million people across the USSR, across uh, communist China, across Cambodia, across North Korea, even today, this ideology that you and I do not have morality, that you and I do not have agency, that you and I do not have free will has led to the deaths of hundreds of millions. Why? Because when the ruling body says that your ideas, that who you are as a person 
is flawed and is not compatible with the new system that they want to bring into the world. Well, you can't change you because there's no choice that you've made. You are just a product of your environment. And sadly, that environment was under this horrible system that caused you to think the way that you think today. And there's no way that you can help that. And there's no way that you can change that. So since you're not guilty, you're also not innocent and you can't change. So the only thing to do is to do away with you. That's where these gulags in the USSR come from, where they put these in these concentration camps and these re-education camps to try to reform their minds. But ultimately they say, well, you're a part of a specific class or a specific race. You are a part of a specific ideology that just doesn't mesh with the new world order that we are trying to bring about today. So Sorry, but you got to go. And that is what led to the death of hundreds of millions in Cambodia. They took anyone who had glasses, anyone that was educated and said, you must go because you are oppressing us because you are the privileged class and we can't re-educate you because you are the way that you are because of the society that you grew up in and you can't help it. But you also aren't meaningful to us. We have to to do away with you. That is the fruit of determinism. It's this victimhood state that traps people and then lashes out on people who have decided, "Eh, you know what? I'm not trapped. Now, in certain philosophies, this article on Wikipedia goes on to explain about agency. In certain philosophies, philosophical traditions particularly those established by Hegel and Marx. Human agency is a collective historical dynamic rather than a function arising out of individuality. This is what Hegel believed. This is what Marx and Engels wrote about. They said, you do not have individual free will. Rather, who you are is just a collective. And we We've argued about this on the show almost a year ago now about whether you are an individual or a individual. Are are you just an individual? Are you just a subset of the society that you live in? Or are you an individual with the ability to choose, with the ability to think for yourself, the ability to say, I am going to stand up and think for myself. I'm not going to go along with what the masses tell me. That's what this, I have this sticker of the green grocer and it's in the, in the sticker, it's all these grocery stores that are red that says, unite, unite, unite. And this, this idea that we all have to be lockstep in the way that we think. And then there's one grocer, the green grocer who says, you know what? I'm going to think for myself. I'm not going to put up the propaganda and go along with the masses. I'm going to have a thought that might be different than everyone else. And that is okay, and that's okay. But under determinism, this is a dangerous, dangerous thought. Now, the other day, I was scrolling through Instagram, and I saw this amazing quote. I think it was actually Brandon Polk, who has been on the show multiple times, three or four times now. He reposted this. I tried to find the the original author. I could not find it, but here's the post on Instagram. It says this, marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. Choose your heart. 
Obesity is hard. Being fit is hard. Choose your hard. Being in debt is hard. Being financially disciplined is hard. Choose your hard. Communication is hard. Not communicating is hard. Choose your hard. Life will never be easy. It will always be hard, but we can choose our hard. Pick wisely. I read that. I, I love that quote. My wife even said it to me. She loves that quote. And what I love about it, it's so true. It's like, no matter what we do, life is going to be hard. No matter whether we choose to struggle in a hard marriage and make it work and grow as individuals, or if we choose to run away. When we run away from a, a marriage, especially if we have kids, it is messy. It is destructive. The same with our health. Being obese, I'm not obese, but I have friends who were severely overweight and our friends had to sit down and call them out and say, hey, the doctors say that you're going to die at 30. We need to do something about your health. Being obese is hard. You have severe health problems. We're going to fight for your health. And praise God, she fought for her health and a transformation and well, well into her thirties, now forties, she is healthy and she had medical problems. It wasn't just that she liked to overeat it's she had thyroid problems. So this, this quote, this quote from Instagram, it's not saying, Hey, you can choose all the circumstances of your life. It's saying you can't choose the circumstances of your life, but you can choose how you want to respond to each and every circumstance in your life. And that is the thing. Life will never be easy. You will always have hard circumstances, but you can choose whether you want to be a victim of those circumstances or if you want to fight those circumstances. It does not promise that we will always be able to win those circumstances, but we can maintain our own dignity, our own individuality, our own free will in that. It is just like that first quote by Viktor Frankl, where he says, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. But that comes out of the place of believing that you and I are able to change ourselves. That comes out of the place of believing that you and I are not just a sack of chemicals, that are not just stuck, determined, and victims to whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, whatever social economical situations we find ourselves in, but we have agency to do something within that. That doesn't mean that we're going to be Jeff Bezos or rich overnight, but it does mean we can choose how we want to respond to our circumstances. But sadly, not everyone thinks the way that maybe you or I might think. In fact, I, I mean, I love this, this quote on, on choosing your heart, but and I was surprised that, that a couple days later to see someone repost this response to that. And it says this, marriage is hard. Staying in an unhappy marriage is harder. Obesity is hard because it is stigmatized. Fit is not always accessible to everyone. Being in debt 
is a complex social economical phenomenon, often related to privilege. It is not necessarily related to discipline. Communication is complex. Learning to communicate is a lifelong experience. Finally, you don't always get to, quote unquote, pick your heart. And thinking you do is the epitome of privilege. Now, a couple things on this response. Marriage is hard. Being in an unhappy marriage, of course, is harder. But does that mean that you should walk away from the marriage? Does that mean you should walk away from the marriage? That's going to be hard too. Maybe staying and fighting for the marriage and growing and remembering your commitment to one another and working on that together. Now, if one person's completely unwilling, and this is the argument that I've heard, it's like, well, what if what if my husband or my wife just left me and I had no choice? I, I'm still in love. I wanted to fight for that marriage, but I can't. They, they, they're not willing to fight for this marriage. I'm in it alone and they left. What do I do? And that's where we go back and say, well, yeah, well, of, of course, it's not like you chose to get a divorce. They chose to divorce you and that's their choice. You cannot control them, but you can control how you respond. You can control whether you want to live the rest of your days embittered and angry, growing up to be crusty. Or you can choose to forgive and be tenderhearted, even in the midst of pain and suffering. We cannot choose many things in our life. Goes on, as I told the story about being obese. Yeah, being obese is hard and fit is not always accessible to everyone because people do have health problems, but you can choose to fight it or you can choose to be a victim in it. Now, this this one of being in debt is a complex social economical phenomenon. In some cases, sure. If some people get caught up into into trafficking or 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 these labor schemes where they bring people to a new country and then they stack them up with tens of thousands of dollars of debt that they have to now work off for the rest of their life because they're literally in bondage in slavery well yeah but that's slavery and even in the midst of that well you can choose how you want to respond and of course This is a circumstance that's not related to their discipline. They got tricked and they got trapped and there are wicked and evil people who are looking to exploit the vulnerable. And we're not talking about that in this situation. Communication is complex. Of course it's complex, but that doesn't mean you're going to not communicate. You're going to learn to communicate and struggle in that communication. And this last point about you think, you know, thinking that you can choose is the epitome of privilege. This is, this is a point that I want to hit, that the fact of the matter is you cannot choose your circumstances often, but you can choose how to respond to those circumstances, and that can drastically impact the way that you live. You have free will. Now, this has been proven. Remember, we talked with Dr. Michael Egnor, and he talked at length about how our our mind works, how our brain works, how it interacts with our soul, how we are actually a a dual dimensional being. We are part spiritual and we are part physical. We we expand over the, the space of two different dimensions. The only being that that has one leg 
in the spiritual realm and another leg in the physical realm at the same time. We have free will. Listen to Dr. Michael Ignore's response to whether or not you and I have free will. There are two reasons, I think, to to posit that we have free will. Um, First of all, um, because on a purely logical basis, if we deny free will, um, we end up talking nonsense. And it's because of this. The modern denials of free will are invariably based on determinism. And mm. uh, determinism is the, is the viewpoint that <clears throat> chemical reactions and, and all the atoms in our body work according to physical laws that are all determined. And generally, people who deny free will are materialists, and they think that we're wholly material beings. So if everything in our body is determined by chemicals and physical laws, then we couldn't possibly have free will because we're just determined by chemistry. <clears throat> the problem is, if that is true, then the opinion that we don't have free will is a chemical reaction of some sort. It must be, as if that's all we have is chemical reactions. But chemical reactions are not propositions. They're not things that are capable of being true or false. Mm. If I mix two chemicals and they form fizz, I can't thereby say, oh, well, that's true, or oh, well, that's false. There's no truth or false to it. It's just a chemical reaction. Right. So if you're claiming that you are a meat machine, that might be true, but your claim has no has no claim to truth. Your claim is, is just a chemical reaction. So if you're, if, if you're saying I am fully determined by my chemicals and you should believe me, I could say, well, maybe you are determined by your chemicals, but you haven't even said anything to me. I'm just listening to fizz. Oh, so, um, so it's, it's, it's self-refuting. Yeah. Uh, so it may be yeah. true that the, that the materialists are just chemical reactions, so we should ignore them. It may be true that the materials are just a chemical reaction, so we should ignore them. Why? Because, as you said, it's self-refuting. If you believe that you are determined, then you actually haven't determined anything. Because, well, that's your chemical reaction that has determined that you think that way. So how do you know that's actually how you think? How do you know that's actually true? And so I Dr. Michael Ignor goes on at quite length in in this previous episode where he breaks down how even the mind, it's proven scientifically by neurosurgeons that we have free will and free will. We have the ability to self-control and self-contain our desires and we have free will. And this is one of the, the biggest the biggest divides that I am seeing right now across modern culture, there's there's one side of the aisle that is saying we are victims of circumstance. And we're, guess what? We all are victims of circumstance. But what are you and what am I going to do about it? And then there's the other side of the aisle that actually says, no, you have agency. If you, if you, apply a few simple principles, you can greatly improve your life. But the first side, the deterministic side of the aisle says, well, that's privilege. Well, that's capitalism. Well, that's oppression. Well, that's a white man's 
privilege. That's just a social economical fantasy that you get to live in, but that's not true for the rest of the world. But guess what? It is true for the rest of the world. Capitalism has lifted more people out of poverty than any other economic system in the world ever. But for some reason, for some reason, determinist people want to say that capitalism is actually just modern slavery and that you need to decolonize your mind, decolonize your bookshelf, decolonize your life and realize you are just a individual. You have no individuality. You are just a subset of the environment that you live in. You have no morality. You have no good. You have no evil. You just are because the society just is. But this trap, this lie of privilege is one of the biggest excuses. And we we saw it in this post of how, well, everything that you say, you think that you have choice, thinking that you have free will, that's the epitome of privilege. Well, guess what? If that's the epitome of privilege, then each and every human being that lives on this earth exists in extreme privilege because we may not have the opportunity to choose our circumstance, but we have the ability to choose our response. Now, another interview that we had a a few months ago was with Dr. Stephen Hicks, who I already mentioned in this episode, who wrote the book Explaining Postmodernism. And he broke down um, not only, as I said, Marxism and socialism, and these enclaves of socialism that's happening uh, not only in America, but across the world today and the fruits and the effects of that. But he also breaks down how it has led into postmodernism and what it is. One of the things we specifically talked about in this episode with Dr. Stephen Hicks, he talked about privilege, what privilege is and what privilege isn't. And more importantly, he talked about natural advantage. Here is the clip from Dr. Stephen Hicks. Privilege is one of those buzzwords that's uh, being used a lot in the last generation. For the most part, it is an anti-concept. That's that's to say it's a concept or a word that's used to destroy or undercut other legitimate concepts. Now, there are privileges, right? Privileges are social advantages granted by some people to others. That's kind of within their discretion. So I don't know. Suppose I, 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 I belong to a, a tennis club, and uh, one of the the options I have is I can bring a friend who's not a member to play at my tennis club twice a week. Right. So that's a a privilege. In that case, the tennis club is granting that to me as part of my membership. Right. And 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 so on. But what is uh, illegitimate about the way the concept is often used is that there are uh, lots of advantages and differences between human beings that are not privileges. So for example, you know, I'm, uh, I'm six feet tall. When I was a teenager, I loved basketball. Uh, uh, and I was really hoping that I would grow up to be about six foot six so that I could play professional basketball. So someone, though, who is naturally born to grow up to be six foot six, uh, compared to me, who is six feet, you know, that person has an advantage. He's six foot six. I am six feet. Mm-hmm. But that's not a privilege. Right? That is a natural advantage in that context that that individual has. So what has happened is that uh, 
and, I, and, I, and this is an illegitimate move, is that people will take any advantage for any reason and turn that into a privilege, right? The idea then being that any differences between us really are just a matter of some people deciding that other people are going to get advantages with respect to other people. Or the idea might be that, uh, uh, to take another example, some people are wealthier than other people. If wealth just is a privilege, then what that means is that all wealth is just somehow a social granting of an advantage to some people compared to other people. Other people just weren't granted this wealth somehow. And that's meant to undercut or obliterate the idea that some people, when they get their wealth, they earned it by their own efforts, right? So it's an earned value that they have. It's not a privilege that somehow they've been socially magically acquired. So that's a set of issues. So one conceptual clarification will be anytime we're talking about advantages or disadvantages that people have, are those earned advantages? Are they natural advantages? Or are they in fact privileges that have been granted by some social authorities or not? Now, here's the thing. In this previous post on Instagram, the, the rebuttal is saying that, well, this is just all privilege. You you having a happy marriage, well, that's your privilege. You having a, a healthy body, well, that's your privilege. Well, no, that's actually a natural advantage. Did you know that people who live by the coast live, I believe, about 10% longer than people who live in long landlocked situations? You know that women live longer than men? Are women privileged because they live longer than men? No, they have a natural advantage because they happen to be women. And I'm a man, so I am naturally have a disadvantage in my lifespan. But that is not a privilege. That is a natural advantage, something that we do not choose. But we can, I could live my entire life embittered by that. I could live my entire life embittered by that. And people do. So there's a, a, a vast difference between natural advantage, which is you're born with it. The, the firstborn in the family makes 40% more money than the secondborn in the family over the course of their lifetime. And the thirdborn makes less, and the fourthborn makes less, and the fifthborn makes less, all going down. So even within a family unit, there is natural advantage. There's a natural advantage to being born first. And then there is our privileges, where, as he said, it's a, a social convention that grants some people privileges and other people, they do not have those same privileges. So if there's me and another person at the same tennis club and I can bring a guest, but he or she can't, well, that would be a privilege that I have. Now, is that earned? Is it because I'm actually paying more money that I can bring a guest? Or is it an unfair privilege that for some apparent reason, I get to bring an extra guest? Well, the argument goes to follow that's being illegitimately made that many of these people who have wealth, well, that's illegitimately gained. It is just privilege. They just happen to get lucky and happen to make money. When really, most likely 99.99% of the time, it's because they worked hard because they stewarded the things that were given to them. And you and I have that same ability. They may have a natural advantage. Maybe their parents passed down to them 
hundreds of millions of dollars. That's a natural advantage, but that doesn't change yours and mine response to that natural advantage. My fear with all these, uh, this ideology of determinism and, and even just the, the tone from a lot of these, uh, the dialogue that's happening, seeing everyone's a victim, that there's this privileged class versus this oppressed class, I fear that it's making excuses, making excuses for people and keeping them locked in cages and throwing away the very key that can get them out, their own choices, their own agency, their own decisions to believe something different, to do something different with their life. But when we're told that we're victims, that we can't control our life, where it's, everything's been determined because of the, the system that we're in, then we throw away the very key that can get us out and that has gotten so many people out, which is their free will, choosing to believe something, choosing to guard their thoughts, choosing to seek out truth, choosing to seek out truth, even when it's unpopular, even when it costs you something, that is the door to freedom. Truth is the door to freedom. But so many of us would rather live in a lie and make excuses and reasons why we aren't fill in the blank. And that's what scares me. We started off with a quote from Viktor Frankl talking about how we can't choose our circumstances but we can choose how we respond to those circumstances. Here is a clip of Viktor Frankl who wrote Man's Search for Meaning, who survived Auschwitz concentration camp, who survived the death camp. Talk about being in a place where you have no control over your circumstances. Talk about being a victim, knowing that your, your family was stripped from you gassed in the gas chambers, watching men left and right die, having no power, no ability. But he says, in the midst of that, you have free will. You might not be able to change your circumstances, but you can change yourselves. You can control who you are and how you want to respond. Here is Viktor Frankl sharing about how one of the main issues with today's society is that we do not face enough challenges. Most of us have never been in the concentration camp experience. We've never had to go through that horror and tragedy. And so one would think that today it would be easier to find meaning in life. And yet I sense that it's more difficult in a sense today than it was in years past. Do you, do you think that? You're absolutely right. Well, why is because that? Because we are living in a society either in terms of an affluent society or in terms of a welfare state as we in Austria are living in. Anyway, these types of societies virtually, or at least they are out virtually to satisfy and gratify each and every human need. Except for one need, the most basic and fundamental need operant in man, the need for meaning. Uh, consumer societies, even creating needs, 
but the need for meaning, or as I'm used to referring to it, the will to meaning remains unfulfilled. It's what I'm used to uh, uh, calling uh, recently the unheard cry for meaning. You scarcely will find any reference to what is the most fundamental and basic concern of man. Neither pleasure nor happiness, nor power or prestige, but originally and basically his wish, his desire to find and fulfill a meaning in his life or for that matter in each single life situation confronting him. And if there is a meaning to fulfill, if he's aware, if, if he becomes cognizant of such a meaning, then he's ready to suffer, he's ready to offer sacrifices, he's ready to undergo tension, stress, and so forth without any harm being done to his, to his uh, health. But if there is no meaning available, no meaning in, uh, in, uh, uh, in his visual field, then he takes his life. Can you imagine a, a situation for a human being which is more uh, full of stress than Auschwitz? Mm and virtually all neurotic symptomatology disappeared in Auschwitz. Mm. And the degree to which suicide took place in Auschwitz and Dachau was astonishingly, astonishingly surprisingly low. And on the other hand, in the welfare state of Austria, a teacher showed me a list of questions his, his students, his pupils, were allowed to ask him, and you know what was top ranking on the list as to it, the frequency of the questions. Suicide among youngsters of 14 to 15 years of age in a welfare state such as Austria. Suicide. There were virtually no stress or tensions because they are pampered. Mm -hmm. Nobody uh, allows himself to challenge them. What young people need are ideals and challenges, personal tasks, and, and to begin with in the first place, examples, personal examples, mm -hmm. but not the cowards. Who coward people who don't venture to confront them with anything because they might become angry because they are challenged. Neither parents nor school teachers are courageous enough to challenge them. Don't arouse tensions. Mm. Don't create tensions. Don't put stress on them. Mm. See? Uh, uh, people are today, they are not over-demanded, they are under-demanded. Mm. This is what I, I mean, Viktor Frankl. I mean, how can you argue with the man who survived Auschwitz concentration camp, death camps, coming out and saying that in the death camps, all neurotic symptoms dissipated and that there's, there's more suicide in Auschwitz or there's more suicide in Austria, the social state of Austria, where all the needs are provided for people in 1979, then in Auschwitz, 
And we recently talked about here on the show how suicide rates since 2007 has begun to skyrocket across the globe among global youth. Why is that? There's a growing, growing sense of depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, suicide. And as these rise, there's one side of the aisle, the determinists that say, well, we need we need to provide for these people. These people are depressed and they're they're suffering social social uh, psychological distress. We need to give them a, a living wage, UBI, universal basic income. And if we just give everyone a universal basic income, then everyone will be happy. When actually the, those on the other side who, who are saying, no, we have free will, we actually, by by taking all the pressure off of people, by removing all drive, by removing all pressure from them, we actually take out people's ability to find meaning. And they list and they fall into nihilism and they fall into suicide. The answer is not to make things easier for our generation and UBI and and just trying to solve everyone's problems with the government intervening. The answer for our problems, one of one of the answers, maybe not the answer, but one of many answers is a generation standing up, throwing off our, our snowflake isms, throwing off our, our our victimhood and putting a weight on our shoulders and carrying it and running with it and making something of our lives, doing something with our times, demanding something from ourselves to pursue a worthy goal, to pursue something that we can be proud of, that our children, that our great-grandchildren can be proud of because we suffered long, because we suffered for, for a, a vision that is greater than ourselves. But when we play the victim and when we say, well, ah, that's just, that's just the luck of the role. That's, you know, all these other people are privileged, but you're not. So we're going to try to make your life easier by just keeping you there in that victim state. That does not help. That drives people further and further into despair because it says, yep, there is no help for you. There is no solution for you. That's just how you are. Be okay with how you are. Even though you want to change, you shouldn't want to change to stay there because, you know, if you want to change, that's a sign that you've fallen into the colonialistic, capitalistic lie that you should make something of your life. And it leads to nihilism and it leads to depression. It leads to a meaningless life. But you and I were born for meaning. You and I were born for purpose. And this is the truth, that you have agency to stand up and seek out the truth, to know the truth, because it's been revealed to us to know the truth, to pursue the truth, to every day wake up, wake up and do our best to live out the truth and find our purpose and our meaning in the world and our purpose and our meaning. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's about those around us. And it's about how can we serve those around us so that other people can reach their dreams, fulfill their goals, and fulfill their purpose and meaning in the earth, find their purpose and meaning in the earth. This is how we own our futures. This is how we shape the future. So I want to thank you for being here with me on the show. My book anchored this discipline to stop drifting. I wrote this book 
in a time where I was asking many of these questions. I was drifting. My life felt meaningless. And in this short 100-page, highly actionable book, I talk about how I found a way to take action and actually reach those goals and break off meaninglessness from my life. Please, if you ask me a question, what's that me at plus one, two, zero, two, nine, two, two, zero, two, two, zero. I would love to answer your questions. And if you do, I'll send you some free stickers. Remember, you are a person who goes out and seeks out truth, uncovers your purpose. So go out this week and own your future.